Thanks for tuning in to Reach Radio, a podcast for public health professionals looking to expand their network, be inspired, and discover resources and tools that help improve the experience of public health professionals and patients in their communities. I'm your host, Fran. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Reach Radio. I am so excited to be able to introduce you today to Vayu Singhal, who is the founder of Homeless Network. Vayu is an amazing high school student who is out there telling the story of the homeless. His work is incredible, and the insights and thoughtfulness to what he is doing is inspiring many other young people to get involved in helping to prevent homelessness by really helping the broader community develop empathy around the needs of those who are homeless. Vayu, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We're so excited to have you today. And this topic that we've been you know, working on over the last couple of days has been on the topic of homelessness. So we're really excited to be able to share your perspective and the things that your organization is doing. So why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the work of your organization. So I live in London in England, and I essentially want to provide a platform to homeless individuals where they can actually be heard by you know, people who maybe normally wouldn't listen or who just wouldn't think to listen. Just try to figure out how their stories can be conveyed, build up empathy in the public. And hopefully that could pave the way for much wider change. That's so fantastic. And empathy is something that we need so much of these days. Talk to us a little bit more about that. What exactly is your platform all about? So it really depends on the individual that we're talking to. But we try to get them to record maybe a two-minute, three-minute message. You know, it's something that the public wouldn't know about them. So maybe, you know, why they became homeless or the challenges of getting off the streets maybe the behavior of police, essentially, because at least in England, it's still illegal to beg, Um, a law that's still enforced, actually. So yeah, it's it's just trying trying to get the different parts of being homeless out to the public, because so many people probably think it's, yeah, just get a job, or you're just lazy, but really, there's so much to it, and we need to figure out how to convey that. It's really brilliant. Now, is there a team that's come together to work on the development of this app? And, and tell us how it all got started. So um, it got started because I was diagnosed with a mental illness. And obviously that was challenging for me for a couple of months, especially. But then, you know, walking outside, I saw someone with a sign saying, all I want is a bit of kindness. And I realized, you know, I had had a comparatively mild mental illness that really made me struggle. And that was one of so many problems that this guy had faced. And it sort of just hit me that maybe this isn't what I've thought my entire life. Maybe this is something that actually is out of his control. So I talked to him for about half an hour. It was clearly a lot more complex than I thought. And I just started trying to put the website together, try to get my friends on board. Um, yeah, so now there's you know, a team of maybe 15 people who will go around, try to talk to homeless people, get their stories. Um, of course, it's been, you know, held back by the pandemic and by lockdown. But yeah, as we're just getting out of lockdown now. So it's going to pick up again, hopefully. So this is really quite interesting. So you have this platform in which folks have an opportunity to share their experiences. And where does it all reside? Is it a website? Is it an app? A social media environment? Tell us a bit about how one can hear these I'm anticipating amazing stories. So we have a website, 
homelessnetwork.org. But I think most people will have used our Instagram page. Yeah, we just share the videos. We try and promote them. We end up getting a few thousand views on each video. And it's great to see how people react to them. You know, you, you see the stories that build up the most empathy. Or you can, for example, one person we've helped out is a rapper. And so we've offered a place for him to share his talent. And yeah, it's really just social media is the best way because I think it's easiest to target younger audience members and to change their opinions. So yeah. Let's go there for a moment. Let's talk a bit a bit about youth and homelessness. Are the youth, are they amongst those that are interviewed as part of your program? So it really depends on how you define youth, I suppose. I've never really met anyone on the streets younger than 18. But yeah, so so we would Anyone we cross, really, we try to give them the opportunity. So mostly that'll be people still living on the streets rather than homeless individuals in hostels, for example. And of course, that tends to be slightly older people, older like, you know, 30, 35, because the younger people are seen as more vulnerable. Yes, yeah, so really, we probably talk to the people in the worst situation, or it's at least more common that we do. But yes, of course, if we see a young person on the street, and there have been a couple, we do always stop, try and talk to them see if they want to share their story. That's incredible, the work that you're doing. It's very insightful. What are some of the responses or comments that are given by the listeners and viewers of your show? So I think many of the responses will be something like, oh my gosh, you're so pure or, you know, that's beautiful. So there was a man who wanted to recite a poem, Footprint on the Beach. It's about a man walking along the beach with God. And when he looks back, he can only see one set of footprint. And God tells him that that's where that's why God was carrying this man. Yeah, it, it really just builds up empathy. People asking just to be spoken to rather than, you know, rather than asking for money. Yeah, it varies quite a lot, of course. Does it create an opportunity to deliver services to them? I think as we grow, that will become a lot more practically doable. I think one reason I wasn't so keen on going down that path is because there are a lot of charities doing that. And I think as soon as you have a charity that does that, you've got to start prioritizing people, like much like with the youth, right? So the youth and often women and people of color for whom it's harder on the streets, they get prioritized and then you get people who are almost neglected. So yeah, that's that's my big hesitation. But long term, I would probably want to sort of create a method for them to be enabled to get off the streets, like setting up an ID system with government, working with services that will give them proxy addresses, so that they can start to get jobs, get their lives on track. That's really awesome. And have you kind of, you're, so this is sort of more of the, the future of what you intend to sort of put into place. Do you see today, which is continuing to do what you do, there being any challenges that your group has faced? And if so, how are you going about overcoming those? I think there are a few. The one is, of course, there are trolls on social media who will, you know, you post a, a video of a woman, for example, and they will start commenting on her appearance or they'll sort of say, well, why are you swearing? Just get a job. Or if there's a reference to drug use, they'll try and make it out of it. It's the individual's problem. And I guess it's trying to figure out how to you know, change the minds of the people who are most against this idea that it's not the fault of the homeless individual and just trying to really convince the country or the world that they are actually very valuable members of society. So does this then require for your team to spend some time responding and providing education to maybe those who are, you know, commenting to your videos? I think the issue with social media, of course, is that it's quite difficult to actively educate someone who is, you know, so deeply against this. 
at the moment, all we really can do is report their comments, you know, delete them off the post so that sort of the support can still come in without feeling sort of like an argument. But yeah, hopefully as more videos are spread, we can start thinking of ways to educate the public, you know, maybe through schools or through other media. This is all just really fascinating what your group is up to doing. Is it all, are these all volunteers or yeah, tell us a little bit about you know, the recruitment, how do you go about finding folks who want to sort of participate? You mentioned you have like a, a crew of, of 15, right? So mostly it's just through my school. So we're still 18 in our last year of high school. And so we're, it's quite easy to get um, my friends on board, really, because after seeing me do it and after maybe looking at the website, watching the videos, you sort of get an idea for the kind of person on the street and you know, even if helping them isn't on your mind, you still benefit a huge amount just from talking to people that you wouldn't otherwise cross. So yeah, if, if the idea of helping isn't enough for someone, I suppose just showing them the personal benefit that they will get that usually convinces people to join. That's really very cool. How do you go about the, the training process? And I mean, gosh, I mean, the fact that you guys are still in high school, like it's one thing for them to sign up. It's another thing for their parents to say, yes, you can do this. And then training them on how to go about approaching someone. I mean, tell us a little bit more about this. I think on, on the point of parents saying yes, I think quite a lot of us haven't asked our parents um, because obviously, you know, seeing their children put themselves in harm's way really is, you know, not, not something that we imagine would be easy to convince them otherwise of. In terms of training, that's more just going out with people who've been out before, you know, sort of seeing the, the the way that you can interact with individuals you've never met, how to start the conversation. And quite importantly, we try to, well, we don't enforce them, but we say, we highly recommend that, you know, you, you stay on a busy road, you try and make sure that you're in a safe position where you could leave at any time. And yeah, it's just about building up confidence that actually they, they can do this. They are talking to other humans and it's very friendly most of the time, really. You know, it's quite weird if no, no one on the streets will respond poorly to an attempt to help. You'll either get something neutral, in which case you move on or you get something positive and then you can sit down, have a conversation and you learn a lot. That's really nice. So let's explore that a little bit more. I mean, how many of these videos or interviews have you conducted and what would you say is the thing that you've learned the most from it? Well, I think in terms of videos, probably somewhere around 15 to 20 which would be a much higher number if we could, you know, carry on through the pandemic with these. In terms of people I've talked to, it's probably been much higher, maybe 80, 90 at least. Um, and that's, you know, conversations at length, um, people who sort of want to share their story, but not in a place right now where they feel comfortable posting it online. And I think what we've learned from it is you just sort of see how, firstly, how incredible these people are. You know, they have a completely different way of thinking, as many people do, of course. Many of them have led pretty amazing lives, actually, and it's hugely unlikely that they've ended up where they are. You also just get a different perspective on things, you know, just looking at the world through a completely different lens. Maybe someone who's moved to this country to try and to try and get a better job, has broken up with a partner, sort of see the transformation of people as well, you know, from the person they used to be to the person they are now. So I think one example that comes to mind is there was a woman we met who said she found being on, the, being on the streets really humbling because earlier in her life, she was really rude to homeless individuals. Like she would spray them with deodorant as they walked past, for example. And it's wow. amazing just to, you know, see this transformation because now she's 
super understanding. She got super happy when we went to talk to her. She is an amazing artist. And yeah, she's in a way better for it. Of course, you would never hope that someone ends up homeless. But, you know, it does change you in many ways. That's really, uh, that's quite shocking, actually. I mean, I don't even know how, how do you, so how does this all come about? I mean, you just see someone, you say hello to them and like describe for us the encounter, the interaction. How does it all come together? Well, I think what's easiest is maybe carrying around water on a hot day or food or socks and that ends up being an easy way to start the conversation, just asking if they would like it and then asking how their day's been, basically. What's quite incredible is that a lot of a lot of people will actually just start talking to you literally for an hour straight just because there's so few people who are actually willing to sit there, spend time with them and listen. And you know, just seeing a friendly face for them, for many of them, is it it makes them really happy. I think um probably one of the saddest things I heard was that in his words it made him feel human that we would go out, their way, go out of our way to talk to them. And I think, of course, that's encouraging and that it seems that we're doing the right sort of thing. But it's quite upsetting that we need to talk to them for them to feel human. And yeah, I guess that's, you know, re- regardless of how uncomfortable you feel to approach someone, say maybe, you know, how's your day then? Or can I get you something from the shop? You sort of realize that actually it's, you know, a minor bit of anxiety for you, but it's a huge deal to them. And I think that's really how you convince people and how you motivate yourself to go and talk to them. Well, you know, Vayu, you have an amazing perspective and the experiences that you've created for yourself at such a, a young age. And what do you anticipate being sort of your career path? Where do you see yourself working within social services, humanitarian efforts? Quite yeah. weirdly, I suppose. Um, I hope to be an engineer. Okay. But I really want to develop things that like specifically help people I don't know that's probably a pretty vague goal in life but yeah I guess I just don't I don't think I could be happy unless I were trying to improve other people's lives and I think you know using technology to help them like maybe in poorer countries creating prosthetic limbs for example that are cheap but very functional you know that that could end up having a huge impact on people's lives and that's just one example of many things that could help but yeah I think the ethical questions that have come up during during my time working for Homeless Network, you know, that's quite, it, it certainly makes you think in a different way. Like you, um, you know, you, you give them your number and then you text them something wrong by mistake. You start seeing the challenges of tech and the problems it can create, you know, thinking about the ethics, like, do you give an individual money if you know that they might buy drugs with it? But then if drugs are the only way that they can escape what is an incredibly monotonous time that they've been having for the last two or three years definitely has made me stop and think about who I want to be and how I want to handle situations I suppose and uh, yeah it's definitely not something I've gotten onto to yet. Well you have certainly inspired so many by sharing your story today and you know you've raised questions that make other people really start to think too right. Who do you see as sort of like you know your your stakeholders right the folks who I can kind of help you in the journey of continuing to do the great work that you're doing, even, you know, right now with working with the homeless and sharing their stories. Are there any any organizations that you'd really like love to see yourselves partnering with to continue this path? I think the main one would have to be the government, because I think 
one challenge with organizations, which I think I mentioned earlier, is that as soon as you're dealing with money and providing a service, you've got to decide who to help and who to effectively neglect. And I think that's really a challenge. And the other issue is, I haven't fact-checked this, but a lot of people I meet on the streets, they talk about how big charities are actually in it for money. So I think they said it was £300 a week have to be paid by the government to a charity to house a single homeless individual. And on top of that, the person themselves has to pay something like, I mean, it varies, but about £20-25 for a service charge. And so, yeah, it's there's actually quite, it's quite difficult to decide who I would want to work with. But yeah, the, the government certainly seems a good place to start because we can start setting up schemes that through education could actually help all homeless people at the same time. You really raise a very interesting issue, right? I mean, that's a real challenge area that the operational costs of so many of these larger institutions in some respects sort of outweigh the good that they're attempting to do. And then it results in smaller percentages of their funding going towards the very folks that they're trying to help. It's good that you're you're able to see that early on and, and be able to point those things out in terms of deciding upon who you want to collaborate with. It's really quite admirable. I can't believe that we are so close to the end of our time together. This has absolutely been an amazing conversation, just learning about you and your experiences and just what you've been able to share. I, I am encouraging all of our listeners and myself, I'm going to get out there and take a look at the amazing stories. I I particularly note that you'd mentioned that yes, while you may have, have about approximately 20 videos that have been released, you have nearly 100 stories of folks that you have captured. Have you thought about writing a book or memoirs or a blog to maybe share some of those? We, we do try and write up some of the stories of people who don't want their video to be shared, which can all be seen on our website. Okay. But I think we we still definitely have to ask permission from these people before sharing mm-hmm. them. And so a lot of people don't actually want a story to be shared okay. or some of them will just want their name changed. And obviously that's quite an easy solution. But yeah, it's still really just a question of what the individual is ready to do and how they are ready for their story to be heard. Very brilliant. I love the way that you appreciate and respect the privacy of others, which is sometimes also, you know, um, when people are faced with hard times, somehow uh, others seem to disrespect them, right? And I think you sort of described a little bit of your discovery in that with some of the people you've encountered who are, for whatever reason, not supportive of helping and learning about the needs of those who are out there homeless. Well, this is awesome. We always like to ask our guests to share a resource or a tool, something that maybe others haven't heard much about, but that you find invaluable in the work that you're doing. Do you have any any resource you'd like to share? This is probably a pretty strange answer, to be honest. But I think music can help understand what, you know, mental illness, which is obviously very prevalent in those on the streets, is like. So I think, um, you know, a couple of bands that, off, off the top of my head would be Frightened Rabbit or Bad Flower. They quite effectively communicate the thought processes of someone when they have a mental illness. And I think a lot of challenges on the streets that wouldn't really be understood by many could start to make a little bit more sense if 
you know, the, the change way of thinking can be understood. Your point is well taken. Absolutely. Well, Vayu, thank you so much for being on the show today. Good luck with all the amazing work that you're doing and good luck with your education. We will be following you and wishing you many, many successes. And we'd like to thank our listeners today as well. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio. This program is made possible by listeners like you. To learn more about Reach and to support this program, visit www.reachtl.org.